And we go straight into our study, and that's found in First Peter, as we've been travelling through this good book. <clears throat> We're looking tonight how we can exploit suffering, the exploitation of suffering, in verses 7 and following. <clears throat> <coughs> often we could just complain about suffering and grizzle and gripe and complain <coughs> like the children of Israel in the wilderness but there's another side to it as reading a story about a slave in America that exploited suffering <coughs> I don't know if it was a real story but he was tough <laughs> and eventually got killed by his master but one, two people just before he died to the Lord who had whipped him to death, really. <clears throat> and so I pray that it doesn't come to that in our lives. Verse 7. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch unto prayer. Above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as, <clears throat> let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. <coughs> it's good to have Brother Dunn. I know he hasn't prayed, prayed in church <laughs> for a while. Could you pray for us, please? You can, yeah, you can pull that down a bit for that, for that occasion. <coughs> good, thank you. Thank you. It's good. Good to have Brother Dunn back. How many weeks are it? Oh, five, I think. Five, okay. I think it's five weeks. Mm -hmm. It's 
Pretty good to be able to be mended in five weeks. Yes. And to be able to walk again. Been <laughs> a long time. Yeah, especially when you're going through it. It's <laughs> well, <clears throat> we come to this verse. I can't help it if these sort of verses just appear on the page. <laughs> the end of all things is at hand. <laughs> And that's more relevant than when it was written. If Peter could say that then, how much more so now? Uh, <clears throat> embracing suffering, we can exploit suffering. What can we see in verses 8 to 11 that we've just read that you can exploit through suffering? What are some things that are met, were mentioned in those verses we've just read? What will it make you do as you go through suffering there's three things that I've looked at there the end of all things is at hand and uh, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer what's something there that we could do because we're in the middle of suffering or what will suffering make you do <laughs> pray <laughs> that's right it just stands out in that verse doesn't it so it'll make us more prayerful and just a fact, isn't it? When we get into trouble, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And often it's probably brought into our lives because we've stopped praying as earnestly and effectually and fervently and as often as we ought to be praying that the Lord has allowed these things to come. And um, <clears throat> we can observe today, uh, more than any generation, the end of all things is at hand. <clears throat> <laughs> and I don't think we need to repeat it, and especially if just what we're going through. And as we've mentioned, the verse that many people are talking about, Hebrews 10.25, as you see the day approaching, these things we see. And Matthew 24 and 32 to 35, we won't turn there. And the things in chapter 24 are assigned to those people that will live in the tribulation. In that time, the Jewish people, when the fig tree buds, summer is near, and the fig tree being a picture of Israel, <laughs> we see that now they have budded and the flesh is upon them. And a day to come when they shall say peace and safety. We're not in darkness that that day should overtake us as a thief. So <clears throat> we can see that this phrase here, the end of all things is at hand, and persecution, it seems, will be increasing, as it was, I believe, toward Noah in the day that he lived. He was living in troublesome times. It was tough for him to live. He was mocked, I believe, at the time he lived, and preaching the, the things that he preached. Uh, he was scorned, scoffed at because of saying that it was going to rain and it was going to be a flood and it was going to flood everything. And uh, building a boat for all those years, ocean liner, <laughs> of all things, mm -hmm. that uh, is going to flood the world. They'd, they'd thought he'd lost it. You remember Mr. Wenke? Remember Mr. Wenke, Doug? Yes. Yeah, okay. There was someone around when he came to... Brother Weeks' meetings, and he was building an ark. 
But could we say that he wasn't doing the right thing at the time? <laughs> yeah, because the Lord's word says there was going to be a flood, but that was it. No more floods. <laughs> the bow, the promise, and he was planning to build an ark. Yeah, but he got the Bible mixed up. Next time it was going to be a fire. And uh, the end of all things is at hand. And Peter, in his next epistle, says, Yes, don't mock at the thought there's a fire coming. The end of things is at hand. But we could sort of smile. Uh, we didn't mock. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wanky at Wagga, but I mean, it, uh, where was it? Out Walla, yeah. Went to visit him uh, out there in the sharing shed, I remember, with Brother Wicks. But had to say, no, it, 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 the flood's not coming. <laughs> the fire's coming. And that's what the Lord has said in his word. <clears throat> Today... What we need to do in light of these things, be ye therefore, and the first thing, we've mentioned prayer, but we'll get to that, but be ye therefore what? Sober. We need to be sober-minded with all that's going on. We could go, ah, ah, ah. no, settle down, calm down, steady and clear-minded, cool-headed, you know, with the... With the the fear that has been developed in the community with all that's going on, cool-headed, be balanced, and not be setting times and dates that are making a mock or making people mock the word of God. We shouldn't be doing that. That's the opposite to sober-minded, is to be frenzy-minded or madness. The Greek word's mania. <laughs> Where do you think we get another word? What's, what's a word that you could connect with mania? Maniac. Maniac. <laughs> we go mad. <laughs> mania. Don't be off on a tangent. We won't be off on a tangent with some new interpretation of scripture. There's so many little, little magazines used to be out. I think they're, they're on the wane. They're not so popular today because they were out there when there wasn't, you know, the electronic media but there's all that media there's little things being pulled out and uh, everyone's trying to make a buck of somebody make a dollar off uh, <laughs> and the gullible Christians and try to keep them in suspense and and make things dramatic and we can tend to drift away from the fundamental doctrines of scripture by these things that are being said and people impulsively follow them. Today there's conspiracy theories theories running rampant everywhere. Are there not? And people are following them. You know, I was raised in a family where that sort of thing, without the without the media, without the internet was was pretty rampant. Conspiracy this and conspiracy that. And I know from experience that those sort of things make you make decisions that are not right. Business decisions, decisions in the church, because you think, okay, they've said this is going to happen and then therefore I'll make this decision and that decision. Where we should be going by the book. <laughs> By the word of God and clearly just what it states, not by, ah, this is going to happen, so I must do this, and this is going to happen, so I must buy this. And 
No. And folks, they're in independent Baptist churches with this conspiracy stuff. Have you heard of any lately? Is there any new ones around? <laughs> you probably have, even though it's not saying so. It'll make you do and get involved in things you shouldn't. What? We could we could probably name some folks right here now. They're not here, but are in our circles, couldn't we? Don't follow them. They'll make they'll lead you up the garden path. And I have noted that some of these people who have been on the conspiracy trail for a while are now changing their doctrines. That's what they've done. And they may change them even, even more. I remember Pastor Buddy Smith preached a sermon some years ago, and I think he put it in writing about the conspiracy thing, and he debunked it. He said, just don't get there, don't go after it and how it affects the local church. And so sober-mindedness in light of all, the, all things are coming to an end, it is at hand, but let's just... What does it say? Plan as though the Lord's not coming in your life and live as though we were coming today. A good, a good uh, motto to behave and live like. Ten times in Paul's pastoral epistles, Paul said... Be sober-minded, level-headed. A qualification for both pastors in 1 Timothy 3.2. That's a qualification for a pastor to be sober. And for church members and membership in Titus 2 verses 1 to 6, he talked about people within churches in those verses. He mentioned it three or four times to be sober, to be level-headed, and um, not to be one running after the latest conspiracy thought and theory <clears throat> have you ever you 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 <laughs> you wouldn't have at your home a video an old video or a dvd on a conspiracy of some sort i could probably bring a box of them here from ones that i've been given stan dayo i can that name pops to my mind yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that that was back then, wasn't it? Same era. And there was that woman, Rebecca Brown. Rebecca Brown, way back then. And, and Chick Tracks got involved in that one and started printing up some things that they, they put out. I hope they don't do it anymore. I've never not seen it around. But they, they start putting out this stuff and get Christians all on edge. <coughs> Be careful. Of what you've got, <clears throat> what I've what I've said to in my family, okay, what I said, and I, I said it to Mum not long be, not long before she passed away. I said, "This it was said, it never happened, and this was said, and it never happened." I said I should write down the things that they say, and the times they said, and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And the next time they say something, look, you've said this, 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 and it goes through a hundred things. And it never happened. Give it up. Stop talking about it. Go back to the gospel. <laughs> Go back to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to the scriptures and talk about them. That's where the power of the Holy Spirit will work. Not in talking about things somebody has dreamed up. 
I was <coughs> I was talking to somebody about one of the, or someone was talking to me about these things once and we were up I don't know where. It was over in the coast, east coast somewhere, I think down down the road, that, that place that got burnt down in the fires the other year. Uh, no, 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 down on the east coast, that little Tilbert. No. No, up higher. No, I keep going. <laughs> yeah, up on the highway. <laughs> Tilbert, Tilbert, was it? Yeah, little, it's all these crafty shops. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, there's only a couple of shops standing near the Mogo Zoo. <laughs> there and we're walking walking through there once and there's a there's ah, drugs. <laughs> you can smell and you look there and there's all this hashing and you can see it's a hippie store. And then there's a big box of books there. Nexus magazine. So that's where that person was talking to me about all these weirdo ideas. That's that Nexus magazine. It's in the hippie store. And I thought, that's where the stuff's coming from. That's how way out this stuff is. And this is what these people are reading and bringing it into Christian circles. Ah, how far? You know, <clears throat> we need to be sober-minded in a day when people are being led astray. Now, that's spiritism, that stuff. Nexus, the Nexus magazine. They might say it's latest and up to date. Oh, <laughs> you have a look at it. Anyway, moving on. That's just something from experience in life. Stay with the Lord. Remain faithful to him. Looking at Luke's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 35. <clears throat> Let your loins be girt about and your lights burning and ye yourselves like men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding that when he cometh and knocketh they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. That, as a good, I'm making an application of this, maybe not the interpretation of this, but that's what we should be like. This may well be after the tribulation and he comes and he sits down and he serves them. He comes with the church at that time. But an application is we should be ready, we should be good about and just like those waiting for the Lord of a sound mind, a sober mind, and not going off on tangents. Because the Lord has warned in First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 3 particularly, is it First Timothy 3, one of the threes there, that these things will come to pass. Luke 19 and verse 11. And as they heard these things, he, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom to return and to return. And he called his ten servants, delivered the ten pounds and said unto them, occupy till I come. Just stay busy in the Lord's work. But his citizens hated him and sent messengers after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And oh, that is a cry of a lot of people today. Yeah. We will not have the Lord. We will not have his word. 
to reign over us. We will do what we want to do. Uh, <clears throat> the knowledge of the Lord coming and all these things in the scripture will make us and the knowledge of suffering that may come will watch unto prayer. That's what it will make us do. We will watch unto prayer. In Mark chapter 14 and verse 37. The Lord is desiring his disciples to pray with him and he cometh and findeth them asleep or sleeping and saith unto Simon, unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldst thou not watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The, the spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Don't you find that too? I find that. I don't think it's just with age it, it increases with age your spirit's willing but the flesh is soft weak and again he went away and prayed and spoke the same words and when he returned he found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy neither wist they what to answer him <clears throat> I pray that we would unceasingly pray in the days that we live in be alert in our praying, not lazy and listless as we find the disciples here. Back in our text there in verse Peter 4. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. So the exploitation of suffering, it will make us pray and pray earnestly, particularly knowing the day in which we live, high time to wake up our sleep and pray it'll also make us more helpful in our love we'll have fervent love among ourselves and love will cover a multitude of sins <laughs> and thinking of this christian love christian love is forgiving christian love is fervent fervent love christian love is fitting verse 9 and christian love is fruitful verse 10 <clears throat> above all above all how, how does that commandment fit with something else the Lord said in answering a question what is the greatest commandment love the Lord your God and the second is likened unto it love your neighbour above all let's say <laughs> above all these things and so this is the greatest and Christian love is forgiving we all have been forgiven have we not if we're Christians we have and <clears throat> there's a couple of statements I've got here see how your mind reconciles these two statements they're both scriptural love covers a multitude of sins that's a scriptural statement and another scriptural statement is he that covereth his sins shall not prosper so love covers a multitude of sins so in Christian love we cover sin <laughs> but then he that covereth his sins shall not prosper there is an answer to it as you think through it 
isn't there? Love covers a multitude of sins. <clears throat> when you find out about a person's sin, not that we go looking for it, the first thing we do is get a loud hailer and go out and tell everyone. Right? No, wrong. <laughs> we don't do that. We shouldn't do that as Christians. <clears throat> we don't want to do that. If you desire to do that, there's something wrong with the Christian life. Sorry? They're covered. Yeah, covered. Yeah, yeah. We, we want to cover it. We don't want to, right. we don't want to go out loud hailing it to the neighbourhood, do we? And so that's the explanation of that. And that's publicising it. But he that covereth, he sin, this is personal sin. Between us and God shall not prosper. It eats away at your bones. <laughs> because personal sin that is covered and not confessed, as First John chapter 1, is not forgiven. We've got to come before the Lord and confess that sin. Now we'll go a little bit deeper into this one. I think it's, it's important. Christian love is forgiving. Christian love is forgiving. Peter quoted from Proverbs 10:12, "Hatred stirreth up strife, but love covereth all sins." And it's alluded to in the book of James as well, in chapter five, verse 20, in Corinthians, First Corinthians 13:4 and seven. Love does not condone sin. That's what the modern church, the liberal church, says. <laughs> Condone sin. We just, just look the other way. No. <laughs> For if we love somebody, we'll be grieved to see him sin and hurt himself and others. Rather, love covers sin in that love motivates us to hide the sin from others and not spread it abroad via the internet and the media that we have. We talked about that Sunday, didn't we? <laughs> Where there is hatred, there is malice, and malice causes a person to want to tear down the reputation and spread the sin, especially if that person it seems to you to be an enemy. This leads to gossip and slander. That's also forbidden in Scripture. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Proverbs 17.9 He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth friends. Sometimes we try to make gossip sound spiritual by telling people things so they might pray more intelligently. <laughs> no one can hide his sin from God. God sees through all things. But believers ought to try in love to cover each other's sins, at least from the eyes of the unsaved. After all, if the unsaved find out They'll criticise us for doing right, as we've already discovered in Peter. But if they can find something that is wrong with us, they will certainly use that against us. And Genesis 9 gives us an example of a covering of the grievous sins of someone. A beautiful illustration there of this principle. Noah got drunk and shamefully uncovered himself. <clears throat> His son Ham saw his father's shame and told the matter to the family. In loving concern, Ham's two brothers covered their father as they went in backward. 
And that's the sort of thing we should do for those that have sinned. But we should also sternly warn them to confess their sin to the Lord. Now, years ago I got into big trouble when I was a young pastor here because I had someone, a young couple that had sinned and had become known, stand right there and confess their sin. I don't know if anyone can remember it. Ruckus. Caused a ruckus. Most of you wouldn't hear then. I think Doug and Chris might have been the only ones here at that time. But we sorted it out. <laughs> Can you remember, Doug? I think so. Just... Yeah, good. Forget it. Don't try. <laughs> but <clears throat> because you see some things they'll come out, but they have to be dealt with publicly. And folks, when you think of it, <laughs> some things, David. David tried to cover his sin. But God said, no, this has got to come out. And he covered it for a whole year, but then he got, God got Nathan and said, go to him. And, and, and because people knew what went on, and it was getting out and the unsaved it was, and it was bringing God's name down it was bringing the nation of Israel the reputation down God's name <clears throat> this has got to come out and it came out and the enemies of the Lord and this is in 2 Samuel 12 where, where it was shown there and um, <clears throat> David responded correctly Nathan did the right thing and it was confessed I have sinned And um, he was forgiven, but he had the consequence. He had to face the music, didn't he? And um, in First Corinthians chapter five, there was sin in the camp, and the church there was sort of, well, it's okay, you know. Look at the grace of God working here. That that's almost what they were saying. But Paul said, "This is wrong. This is getting out of the community." And they had to deliver him under, this, under Satan for the destruction of the flesh. This had to come out. Because later on in verse 6 he said, A little leaven is rotting the church away. A leaven and the whole lump. That's it. And it was, they, they dealt with it. And the, the fellow got right, didn't he? Got it sorted out. He confessed. He repented. He truly repented. He really repented. And you can see that in the, in the talk on repentance in Corinthians. They so got on his case that he was almost, this guy was almost destroyed. because they, He repented, but what weren't they doing? What weren't the Corinthians doing? Forgiving him. Forgiving him. Mm. And uh, it's in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. And Paul said, he's repented. And so Paul said, what do you got to do? What do you got to do? What do we got to do? <laughs> As Christians, if the person's repented, forgive him. Forgive him in first in John's I mean Matthew's Gospel, chapter six. And this is Christian love is forgiving. There's a time to cover things, 
it's a time thing. It's a time to reveal things and get things sorted out. And um, <clears throat> if you go around gossiping about th- people's sins, that's not the way to uncover sins. It's for the purpose of repentance and reconciliation and forgiveness and sorting it out. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14 and 15, let's see, what does it say there? This is in the Sermon on the Mount. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So it pays to forgive when they've repented and got things sorted out. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. But probably the, the more prominent one is in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21. Starts in verse 15. But, and then he elaborates on the forgiveness side of it when Peter said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he said seven times. And the Lord said on seven times, seven times 70, <laughs> 490. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. And then he gave the parable. He began to reckon he was brought unto him who owed him 10,000 talents. It's impossible to pay. For much as he had not withered to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children and all he had, for payment to be made. And the servant fell down and worshipped him. Have patience and I'll pay thee all. And the Lord of the servant was moved and compassion on him. He forgave him. But that same servant went out and grabbed the fellow that only owed him a few pence. As the story goes, <clears throat> folks, we have been forgiven much. That's the whole story, isn't it? The Lord's forgiven us. Let's forgive. This fellow wouldn't forgive, cast him into prison, owed him a little bit, cast him into prison for it. And what shall the Lord do? Well, he called him, O thou wicked servant, in verse 32, I forgave thee that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion? So on an earthly basis... When somebody truly is in need and has need of our forgiveness, let's forgive. And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay that was due him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father, verse 35, do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother his trespasses. I know it's grievous and sometimes it hurts, but let's do what the Lord's way of doing things and let's get it right. It works. It'll work. And it'll, the guilt, if we go to the Lord, go to the other person, sort it out, it works. Praise the Lord, it does. It'll make us more helpful and useful <clears throat> in the ministry the Lord has for us in life. Christian love is fervent. The next one there, and we'll just, we won't go through the other two after this, but Christian love not only is forgiving, but it's fervent. <clears throat> As he said there, have fervent, fervent love. It's an eagerness, an intensity of love. It's not emotional feeling, but c- committed. It's a sacrificial and agape love. A choice of the will, <laughs> not a choice of the emotions. It's the Lord chose to die for us. 
He made that choice in eternity past. And we need to make that fervent choice and make us helpful in the ministry. And then there's the Christian love is fitting, verse 9. Using hospitality one to another, and we'll start there next time. We'll leave us more time. We won't take all the time up teaching, but use hospitality. Praise the Lord we can. We've got the means to these days to help others out in their need.